0: I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is You Can't Make This Up. You Can't Make This Up is the podcast where we uncover the true stories behind your favorite Netflix documentaries and films. On today's episode, we take a closer look at the three-film documentary, Genius, A Kanye Trilogy.
1: For all the people that I've been around and all the experiences that I've been through, I've seen a lot more shit than a lot of people have seen.
0: Today, we're talking to directors Kuti and Chike. While hosting a popular local TV show in Chicago three decades ago, Cootie met an up-and-coming music producer with aspirations of becoming a rapper. So impressed by the talent and drive of young Kanye West, Cootie began to document Kanye's efforts to convince his bosses at the record label that he had what it took to be a star. The cameras followed Kanye through his struggles to record his first album and his triumphs as a newly minted Grammy winner. But as Kanye's star rose, his relationship with his friend and documentarian grew distant. Their lives went in different creative directions. Then, after years of controversy, the troubled superstar reconnected with Kuti and Chike. This time, their cameras captured different kinds of challenges.
1: I take Medicaid, I take bipolar medication last night to have a normal conversation and turn alien to English. That's what we're talking about.
0: And I'm joined by the directors of Genius, Cootie and Chike. Welcome to You Can't Make This Up.
1: Uh, thank you for having us. Thank you so much.
0: So you did divide Kanye's story into three full films. So why tell the story in three acts? Is that how you see his life and career break down? Or is it more for like, let's just do this for time. This breaks down into three films. I mean, I think it makes sense. But I'm just curious at your thoughts about it, Oh uh,
1: Well, i just say that we... Everything that we did up until this point was a rehearsal for this for this movie. Like when we did Benji, we had a great uh, t- producer Ted Schillinger and 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 Armani Martin to help us really learn how to structure documentaries. Um, then we went from there. And we and we started working with Marjorie Clark, a producer who was really uh, helping us to like really you know learn learn story, just like uh, Nina Bon Jovi when we did A Kid from Coney Island. She told us to go get the book uh the book story by Robert McKee and because we we told we, we you know we writing screenplays and said well you got to read this book and and we started reading that so and when it came down to making this film we understood what we had to do to to make a, a compelling film and we and, and which each act even though we feel like it's one long movie you know and we did it in that way because the first act second act but then within each movie we have the same structure of act of, of act breaks and, you know, the catalyst moments and the, and all the things that we've been learning. So we we put it in each film. But when you look at the overall, it's, it's it, you can't write this. God wrote this and Jesus directed. It and it's like, and you can only see it because the writing, you, we didn't write this. This was real life, organically things that were happening to tell this story. And and it shows right there, like in yeah. in the book uh, Saving the Cat, it says, and page seventy five of a script, something's supposed to like you know die in that on that mm-hmm. page, <laughs> you know. So when you look at all all the movies together, that's what happens in the third act, you know. And it's just you know it's it's really amazing to see.
2: And when we did, and we did the the, the cool thing about this is. We didn't pitch it like a series. Like we didn't really pitch it as a trilogy initially. We really had a assembly cut that was about what seven hours cootie long, probably in length, or just a really rough like, nine, nine, eight to nine, nine hours. hours, and that's what we shared with with Netflix, and then we collectively decided what would be the best way to present it? Cause we even flirted with the idea of like just a straight six hour movie or four hour movie, you know what I'm saying? Which like Cootie said, that's really where the act structure kind of came out of. Cause then we had, to, once we broke it down, then we had to treat each film like its own film, you know what I mean? But and all um, it really was, the concept was really one big film at first that just would have had your attention for like a long time.
0: <laughs> right. Right. So Cootie, you- did you already have aspirations of doing some kind of climb to success movie? Um, or when you met Kanye, was there something about him that said like, I just have to follow this guy around and document everything he does?
1: Well, it's just the signs that that let me know that this was the, the right thing to do from, you know, me doing comedy in Chicago and learning story, learning how to even write jokes and tell stories and, and learning the beats and how you should, uh you know, time and, that was one thing, and then doing Channel Zero, hosting Channel Zero, that was a a, a way that really showed me and where my passion really lied in filmmaking. I was so in love with the reaction we were getting from Channel Zero that I kept wanting to do it to the point where I'm like, Danny, show me how to use your camera. And then I just so happened to watch Who Dreams. You know, nothing in life is a coincidence. So when they were watching Who Dreams, at the same time I'm seeing Kanye and. This person that, and, he, and I'm like, oh, he loved the camera. He wanted to be on Channel Zero. He, he look at his drive. He's charismatic. Oh, I love what what he's talking about. I'm gonna document him because I see Grammys in his future, and I'm gonna yeah. document it till he win And then he wind up going to New York, left me in Chicago, you know, to, to go do his career. And started placing beats with Jay-Z and Benny C going I'm like, yo, what's going on? I, but I'm also a successful comedian with a condo and uh and a car. I was married at the time. So, and was I, what happened? I got carjacked. And when I got carjacked, that led me that the money from my cause I had home insurance, the money that the everything they took out of my car, if I had to receive for it, they gave me a lump sum of money, my insurance. I took that money and moved to New York to New York mm. with Kanye, and I was, you know, and that was how the journey really started. So it was God just putting all these signs and, and 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 letting me know exactly what direction I need to go in.
0: Right. So GK, when I saw that early footage of Kanye, right, like we have the version that we that he told us, right, like I always knew I was going to be successful. I was a hundred percent sure. Like. He really was, though, like, and it's easy to say when I remember when he first came out, people who didn't think he was a genius and those of us who were trying to convince other people, he was a genius. We were like, no, no, no." but like he was right when you saw that early footage. What was your impression of the pre-famous Kanye West that Cootie was able to capture on video?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it was just something impressive about the way that he was manifesting uh, his realities, you know, and. Some of that footage I had I hadn't seen until we started editing it. Obviously when I met Kanye, um, he was very captivating. The first song he played for me was Jesus Walks. I instantly felt the same way. Coody felt like, oh, he's out of here. This dude's out of here. You know what I'm saying? There was no doubt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We felt that same way about ourselves too. Cootie and I as creatives. Like we felt, you know, we knew what we were gonna do in in film, music videos, or whatever. We had the same sort of confidence behind ourselves as well. But seeing that footage Because I didn't I wasn't with Cootie then. So when I did see that, it was it was pretty amazing, especially when the scene when he said he wrote it, he was practicing his Grammy speech on the way. You know, this is way before he won a Grammy. And it's just you hear it so many times and you hear people talk about it. You never really see it shown, though. So to see that in real life, like in real footage was amazing.
0: So uh, he was a respected producer, Cootie, but compared to other people in the room sometimes that you were in. You know, he wasn't a big a big man in the room, right? But there was a camera following him and not the other people in the room. And I'm wondering if other people in the room were like, why aren't you following me? Like, why that guy?
1: Yeah, I mean, I got that a, a, a few times where people were like, why are you documenting him? I'm like, uh, you will see. <laughs> <laughs> you will see from from some celebrities that, uh, that came to me that I knew good. But, you know, it was it's the fact, of too, that I had a, a vision you know, you have a vision. You don't let nothing get in in, in the way of that. I'm long from a a, a group. I, I feel like no matter what, how successful you get in life, you're still a real person, and that's just how I look at everybody that I that and I treat you that way too. Not not disrespectful, not, and I definitely appreciate all my all my friends that has you know it reached the heights that they wanted to reach. Even even Kanye, but but I'm going to still treat you as, as as a real person. I think that's the best way to be.
0: Yeah. Did that help him with his, like, self-promotion at the time? Like, what did he get out of it? Did people maybe think he was onto something, that he was maybe, like, on a roll because there was a camera crew following him around?
1: I think it gave him... I think what we did was give him a lot of confidence, too, as well. Like, even... I think that would would, would be with anybody who... Who are trying to get somewhere in their life with uh with their goals and what they want to do in life? To have somebody that believe in in that too It's like a red keys to success by Napoleon Hill, and they say you got to conceive and believe you can achieve, and once once you do that, you have to get a mastermind alliance that that want that has the same you know goals as as, as you, and then you all move together, and that's how you you know become successful. So we was that mastermind alliance of Kanye, and vice versa.
2: But Cootie's definitely being humble because initially when he did put the camera on Cootie at that time in Chicago, when I mean, Cootie's show was the show to be on. You know what I mean? Like, especially as an artist, all the popping artists were being filmed on his show. So to be in that same light. But now you got the person who's like the face of that show is deciding to to turn his attention onto you solely. You know, I could only imagine what that could have done for the for the confidence of Kanye at that time. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yep. So I have a a small thing to ask you about that I'm just super curious about because you kind of can't make it up. Um, Kanye was obsessed with his teeth before his accident and then his teeth got destroyed in his accident so before the accident he did have this obsession with his teeth he was always wearing his retainers which i couldn't get my kids to do if i paid them to do um can you just talk about that because it definitely first of all he does use his teeth a lot as an instrument in his rapping his teeth his breath like that's part of the sound but can you just talk about that because there's this great scene where he takes his retainers out and he like puts them down in the studio and dude's like Gross, like yuck.
1: (laughs) I just say it was amazing to see it all come to fruition because when when I knew that the you know I'm a comedian, so I knew that 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 the retainer would be a running bit throughout the whole documentary. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna just feel these retainers going to be not knowing that he was gonna have a character didn't have to get his mouth wired shut. And like you said, things you just cannot write. That's why we we give credit to to God. Mm -hmm. We like Jesus directing God right because things you just cannot write, you know, not, not, not real life like this. You can, you can, you know, we can write, we can write this movie right now and it'd it be in a play out just like the documentary. I remember watching Ray with, uh, with Jamie Foxx. And I'm like, well, as I'm watching, I'm like, what if that, what, this could have been all these scenes. If somebody had a camera there, it would have been like our movie. You know what it'd be? But it had mm-hmm. been real with Ray
2: Charles and not, you know, and not scripted. But he, but it's so crazy, like, if, you just, if this never happened, and we're just two creatives, two movie writers, and we just want to pitch a film, but our film is pitching about a, an aspiring rapper who has constant troubles with his mouth. Because, like, he, the conflict is already there. And then at the height of getting a record deal, his mouth gets wired shut. Like, you can't write that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, and it's funny because Through the Wire, the fact that it's, like, sort of the first song that goes out into the world, and he knows it, um, I think probably the scene that everyone will be talking about for years and years and years from your documentary is when we get to watch Pharrell hear through the wire for the first time. So, I feel you I
2: didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. Wow. I didn't know. I just, thought it was I know. I just started awesome. with the music. I didn't know. I just started with the music. I didn't know. I didn't know. So you want some
0: shit. what was it like being in that room because first of all that wasn't planned right you just kind of like busted in um what was it like being in that room watching pharrell legendary music producer here through the wire for the first time
1: oh man it was it was amazing it was amazing to see him him hearing what like hear kanye's rap for the first time period he never heard none of kanye's raps and he just was like yo you i'm one of your biggest fans i never i just heard a couple of records but then, when he heard through the wire, it was it was like he really saw what it, I'm not gonna lie. What I think I see, what what John Monopoly seen, what all of us were seeing throughout, you know, pushing Kanye. He see right then. and, and he just you know couldn't believe the the magnitude of, of how talented Kanye was, and he gave him some really great advice. And I'm happy that all of that happened, but. If I would have been, because I think Kanye or Greg, one of them said, man, we should probably turn the camera off. I'm like, what? No, we're keeping the camera rolling, man. They tell us to stop, but they tell us to stop, I'm going to stop. But if they don't say that, I'm keeping the camera rolling because, I mean, God told me to do it. Like <laughs> he been moving me like that. So that's how we've been getting precious moments like we have.
0: GK, I know that you know that uh, a few months ago Peter Jackson released this huge thing get back the Beatles right and like the big deal was like watching these takes and like as a Beatles fan saying oh that's the take that ended up on the album right like that's what you have in this film too <laughs> and it it really really is insane and some of those scenes are just extraordinary did you know that that was in here too when you first started watching this footage
2: do you, you know it's, it's funny you say that because I've always known this to be a goal of Cooties. And he's always kind of talking about, you know, we're gonna do this doc. And I we do to everybody, not just me. We I got the Kanye doc and I got all this footage. But he's real funny style with like what he shares of that footage. Obviously, I'm his, 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 his uh business partner, so I, I'm privy to most of it, but I don't really get to see that that much. So the whole time he's been talking about even doing this doc, I'm like, in my back of my mind, can we really pull this all? Like, can we pull this off? Is, do we have enough footage to really carry this? You know what I'm saying? And it really, for me, you know, wasn't. In, and I always had my faith in Cootie, so I'll, I'll never doubt him. Because if you do, you you just look, you'll just have egg on your face at the end of it. If you ever really doubt Cootie, but um, when we started, when I started, when we got to the editing process, that's really when I saw the magnitude of what he had been capturing. It was stuff. I mean, it was stuff that I was in that I didn't even remember. Like you, ca- you feel I, that happened? I was there. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So this man is amazing at as far as like, and really is able to put pride aside. You know, that's a testament to like, even this relationship you'll see in the film, you know, Cootie stood fast to what he wanted to accomplish. Like I told Cootie, I went to art school and in my first two weeks in art school, I met all these new students and I was like, I'm going to film these kids that are all my friends and I'm going to film this until we get old and see where we end up. That lasted a week. You don't (laughs) understand. You know what I'm saying? Like that lasted life gets in the way. Things like he didn't let any of that noise get in the way. He and I don't think people really understand how difficult it is to hold on to something, a goal for that long. You know what I'm saying? So
0: Yeah. I couldn't even do that one photo a day app that came out like (laughs) seven years ago. So Cootie, when I was watching episodes one and two, my first thought was this is the documentary version, sort of, of Last Call from College Dropout. I kept seeing all of these scenes that I had, you know, heard about through his songs. But can we just talk about for a second that Kanye made a 12-minute track about the story of how he got to make his first album and the people who stood in the way, and that you were making a movie about him doing that at the same time he was making that track and just how meta and unbelievable <laughs> this whole thing is.
1: Oh, man, it was it was, it was, was. Wonderful to see him do that. So I was actually, I filmed a lot of him, a lot of the times when he was working on that song, Last Call, um, I was there. Only thing I was wondering, like, okay, I was there part of this whole journey too. So wait, say my name. Why not say my name? I guess, I guess because I'm behind the scenes. He didn't say my name, but, you know, and and Chique's name as well. Just, you know, us doing Through the Wire,
0: you know, it seemed like
1: that should have been a part of the Last Call story, but, you know, I guess it's our turn now to, to tell that part of, uh, of of that journey.
0: Yeah. Now, Chike, I I don't know. I'm surprised every time I hear that song, especially now that I've seen these films. That like Dame and Jay Z come off way better in that song than they actually come off in this documentary in terms of their support. Like he's like he is definitely still like super psyched to be on the label and like. You know, we'll get into it in a minute, but like that was a hard album for him to actually put out the door, and you know, it's he definitely gives him love there, and that you know, I don't know if I would have been able to do that.
2: But. Well, you know, it's, it's it's also like a matter of perspective, and this is definitely all of this is in real time coming from Cootie's camera and what he's digesting. You know, it's it's, it's funny you say that because Dame actually uh called us the other day and then speaking to Dame and Dame was you know was telling us giving us some more color on some of those moments and Dame was saying in fact like the pressure really was that the it wasn't really his choice as far as um being able to supply the funds to open up Kanye's budget and whatnot. A lot of that came from above him because you know Rock um they're subsidiary. So you have Def Jam is a bigger label. And mm-hmm. so the but 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 you know, Dame didn't want to tell Kanye that because he didn't want Kanye to get razzled and feel like the interest wasn't there. And so he kind of took that on his on his cheek in a sense of, you know, being able to put the funds. They wanted to really put the funds into um, the Young Gunners huh? at that time. So but it wasn't really, it, you know, Dame wanted to go with I'm not I'm not throwing names out there, but there just was other people above. Dame on the Def Jam side that had a different opinion of who they wanted to support at that time. And
1: Big mm-hmm. Biggs believed in them too though. Biggs believed in uh in Kanye um more than more than probably both Dame and um and Jay Z um as far as like an artist. Uh
0: so a looming presence in Kanye's life that you know every fan has heard about and of course through his music too is his mother Donda and she has a big presence in this film you know we know her of course through the lyrics to Hey Mama first we know that he is very driven by pleasing her early in his career but in the film she comes off as exactly how he describes her in his music she's angelic she's supportive
1: and I came to kindergarten one day and you looked out in the hall and saw me and you were on the top of the sliding board and you said I
0: don't need you. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> you did, Kanye. What was it like spending time with her?
1: Um, it's magical. I mean, she she was such a, a, a great human being and so supportive of, you know, of course, Kanye, but like of everybody that was around. You know, she her messages was important for all of us to hear, and we was listening, and and, you know, she just took us all in like, you know, like family and the family, kind of the whole family just definitely embraced me as 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 a family member. I went spend Christmas with them and things like that. Where you know, you know, so they he got a, a a beautiful family. It's his his grandparents, Chicken Buddy, they were so cool. You know, and, and and I see where Donna get get it from and all his aunts and cousins and everybody that was around. But yeah, she um she's some something special man, and I you know. And like I said, her spirit has been with us through when she was on earth and in heaven. You know, she's still with us. So just a beautiful
0: soul. Hmm. GK, it didn't escape me that, you know, she was an English teacher and she got to watch her son perform We Don't Care as a poem on stage. That was like quite a moment, right? It's really incredible. Yeah,
2: yeah, 100%. I could only imagine, like, and you could see how proud she was after he performed that. Like, it definitely was a moment for her.
0: Yeah. By the way, if you have uh, footage of those kids singing the hook in that song, I'd love to see it someday. I've always wondered, like, who was that kid's chorus? Whose parents let their kids sing that hook? I really wish I could have seen that. (laughs) FYI. (laughs) (laughs) So when College Dropout becomes a hit, one of the first things we see him do is say that he wants to shoot the Jesus Walks video with a more established director.
1: Man, dog, I got to get hype, man. Hype?
0: <laughs> yeah, I win, dog. Hey. But,
1: yeah. but I mean, you, you know, I do. like, dog, your, the videos is dope. But I gotta get hyped to do the 15-minute movie for this, dog. Hey, right, yeah, that's what you, think you gotta do, you gotta do. It. But you know, I fuck with y'all, though. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? I fuck with
2: you,
0: though. You hey. Makes <laughs> it every cool button, <laughs> now. Kudina, you kind of laughed and shrugged it off. Can you just talk about how how that made you feel?
1: I mean, of course, I was disappointed that he would even think that because you know we all had we all came up talking about our dreams and what we want to do. He knew what my dream was, and of course, Chike what we what we were trying to accomplish, and um and we had it. We we said, "Yo, we're gonna direct all your." After we did through the wire, we're gonna direct all the videos. But you know, creatively, some things didn't didn't, didn't pan out right with uh with us creatively, and you know, Kanye's are uh, definitely um. Really pay attention to his his art, and he really want a voice in everything that he do, um, even when it comes to visually. And uh, and with this, we just we uh we just felt like you know we had to make this ourselves after we went through what we went through, we went through the wire, and me and Chika, you know, branched off on our own and started doing music videos for other people that we um you know it, it, everything happened for a reason. I'm just happy I met Chika. I, I, mm. after everything and and we did get to, you know, work, me and him worked on Pitbull video and Eric Badu and so we did videos and we wound up doing Jesus Walks again. So, you know, I, I, I knew, I knew, like I seen Kanye win Grammys, I seen me and Chiquette doing something um, big in film as well.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is, it sucked in the time, but then it turned out. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) So film two ends with Kanye becoming a star and then saying, um, he doesn't want you to make the documentary. (laughs) Uh, now you have hundreds of hours of footage. Um, what were you thinking then? Like, what was I doing? Did I waste my time here?
1: (laughs) No, I just said, trust God you can't stop what God has ordained for you, you know, and this was ordained by, by God. So I, so anything that came like that, you know, they they've been trying to stop it for so long. Um, you know, his team because they is like I'm not saying his team he went through all kinds of different teams, but if they wasn't like if it wasn't in, on their agenda, then they'd rather you know have them do what what or or his agenda. i will say too, they they wanted to do what they wanted to do so. You know, I just sat back. Me and Chike sat back and just waited till it was time. And, and, and God was part the the... Everything happened in God's time. I just say that.
0: Hmm. Uh, Chike, I keep thinking about those UCLA students. In <laughs> <thing too. laughs>
2: I'd love to know where they are now just to catch some commentary from them. <laughs> College students.
1: Hey, stay in school. Don't drop out like Kanye did.
0: The story that they get to tell about being there, Um, watching him get his fries heated up and telling him to, telling them to stay in school. Um, So, of course, then we do get film three, which really does give us a look into Kanye's superstar years and some footage that we've, again, stories we've heard but have never gotten to see. There were a lot of well-documented controversies over that time, and you acknowledge them on screen, but you don't do a deep dive into events that we already know, like his marriage to Kim, for instance. So um, Chike, what was your thought process about documenting sort of this part of his career? Things that we've heard about him, his time at his ranch, things that we've never seen, though.
2: Well, you know, even before we we put this doc together including when Cootie was still actively filming certain parts of Kanye when he was around. There was a time when there was no media around. And that's when those moments were super important. And Kuti was cognizant of how important those moments were to capture because nobody was capturing them. So as soon as the media started capturing everything, it was like, well, they're capturing the moments for us. You know what I'm saying? And it was just coincided with the time when we kind of were embarking on our careers together as well. So we already knew creatively we had a way when this doc was going to be made to incorporate the media's footage if we wanted to, and we could go down a rabbit hole with their footage if we wanted to. Now, once we fast forward to the actual documentary, the the making process, you know, we set rules and parameters and we really decided this doc was was really special because the unicorn of it was it being from Cootie's perspective. And it had to deal with what his camera represented and this empathy he's able to capture from Kanye. And also the people now only really knowing Kanye from the media, um, which made Cootie's footage that much more valuable and also gave us a point of view. And so we decided that this doc is about the moments that he captured and he was there for. And if he wasn't there for it or wasn't in the room for it, That's not, that's not going to make our story. And so if Cootie was there, if he had been in a fly on the wall in the Kardashian household with Kanye, it would have been in our, in our film. But like Cootie says, you can go watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians for that, for that film. (laughs) So it was very intentful though. Like our, our reason, you know. Those Cootie wasn't around at that time, but he wasn't around for a reason. And so we go into what that reason is. And so you understand it, you know, why it was. And then you understand what Cootie was doing at that time. So we bring it full circle.
0: Can you talk about that, though? Can you talk about, you know, those times when you were away? Uh, because you decide, Cootie, to come out from behind the camera and talk about your own life and professional growth. And you become a character in the film, in film three. Can you just talk about that decision and what's that what that was like for you?
1: I mean, it was an overall decision with, with Chike and J.I.V. and our editors, Jason and, and Max, um, that, you know, this is the only way we could tell the story is like when we when I'm filming, it's like people are talking to me. It's like I wasn't just the camera guy. I'm like an actual person in these scenes. Like people are like Cootie, what up? You know, because I knew everybody. I was actually, you know, like I said, I was in front of the camera before I was behind the camera. So it only, it only made sense. And people compared it to Hoop Dreams, which it is a documentary was, that was inspired by Hoop Dreams, but it's nowhere near a Ho- Hoop Dreams documentary. It's, it's, a, it's a, a doc of like two brothers that took a journey and believed in each other. And, and we use this doc as a blueprint to show the kids that they all have geniuses in them. The, not even kids, the dreamers, you know, no mm-hmm. matter what age you are, that you have a genius in, you just got to. Have faith and believe in, and move in that in that genius and don't stop no matter what you know what comes in your way and that's you know the message and and to trust God throughout the whole process and when you do that you have no fear you know.
0: So toward the end, you follow Kanye overseas as he's doing work for his shoe line. It's really an extraordinary scene. It's very Renaissance man. Uh, he's incredibly thoughtful. He's incredibly lucid. He talks about being on medication. He's self-conscious about his weight. You get to see him sort of interact with the art world and you see him sketching and all these other talents he has really right in front right then. And then a short time later, you capture a business conversation which does not sound like he's lucid. Rah! This
2: right here? Trash trash pasta is finished I, I don't care if it has a tag of mom
0: yeah <laughs> he sounds unmedicated it seems like we're watching somebody with a mental illness and you decide to turn the camera off can you talk about that
1: yeah I mean it was something that I just never filmed before like that that energy coming from him I have seen it on TV and back in the day, I should think you know it was part of the show that he was putting on, like it was part of the act when he would do rants. They called it. I'm like, oh, okay, it's what he, you know. I don't think he should be doing this. It don't. It ain't, it ain't cool. But I remember but they used to always say, "All publicity, good publicity," and I don't believe that. I, I I believe different, you know. But um, but just as just as he were as we were talking, and to to see that, and then to you Knowing I was out there, I wasn't, I was out there to show him the movie, to show him the sizzle. When he watched it, his whole demeanor and everything changed and he was back to himself with me. And uh, and from that point, and then we went to meet with Mike and, and Dave at that meeting and then he, all of a sudden I started seeing what I saw on TV and I was like, wait a minute, I think I need to pay attention to listen. Let me put the camera down. Those limbs grew back. <laughs> I had never captured this side of Kanye before. And it just didn't feel right to keep filming. So I cut the camera off. And that's what I did. And the second time around, when he was with Justin, I felt like I had to pay attention again when he was with Justin Bieber. But I also felt like my camera might be initiating some some of this as well. You know what I mean? How people... Act different than they would if a camera on and they know it's document documents. A lot of people would act different because of that. You know, you want to act cooler, whatever the case is. You know, when the camera's rolling. But I felt that way as well. But my main thing was that you know, this is my my brother, and he was, and I felt like he was really going through some some issues, yeah. and and I wanted to pay attention and be there for him more so than than film. You know.
0: Well, I think it adds a lot of dignity to the film, to be completely honest with you. I think it was a good choice. I think it was an ethical choice. Did you guys talk about it that way, Chike, sort of in those decision-making moments where you like, this was the right thing to do? I mean, you did capture, I think, enough of the essence of what's been going on with him, which again, the public has seen. Like, we don't need to, you know, we don't need 20 hours of footage of it, but I think we got enough to sort of get Kind of what you saw, but we didn't. It was, did not feel exploitative to me. You know yeah, what I, I mean?
2: I think for us, like again, it's all about intentions. You know what I mean? And it was something that Cootie did instinctually at that time, and so we weren't trying to make a bigger thing of it than what it was. We tried to just stay true to and honest to what the moment was that he experienced and what happened, and then that's what it was. So obviously, you have to thread a line because we don't want to say too much to a moment that. We're not trying to, you know, say that much in. And so it was a fine line of just trying to figure out the right way to to to, to put it in there. So it's not so people don't read into more than, in it, than what they should be, you know. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Kanye West first pushed back on the releasing of these documentaries, but he's now supportive. Um, why did he come around?
1: I mean, he had no other choice. I mean, God, <laughs> it's like it's like we we just moved in faith, and then when that and all of those things was happening, you know, we just had to the you know keep keep moving and trust God. My whole thing was I trust God, period. And just you know, from him on the final cut, which you know was wasn't going to happen. You know, we already done with the movies, and I and I asked him when I went to Wyoming. I said, "Yo, because he wanted to be wanted me and him to do the movie, and we just be partners on the movie and make it happen." I'm like, first of all, I already got partners, and we already have a film. And the film is not about me and you, Kanye. It's about the blueprint of what we of of everybody has a genius in them because we already had the film, the cuts already done when I met with Kanye, and I knew that's the way to do it. And I said, you have to trust me. I have to trust me on this. You know, I'm not I'm not making a biased movie. I'm I, we're making a, a movie for." the dreamers. And he, and he said, he trust me. And then when he came with the, that he wanted final cut and I understood that cause he was probably, you know, around people that would say, yo, how you never have final cut of your movie, but they don't understand the trust in me and our journey that me and him had the, the people that might've told him that. And he, and he went with it. But as we see, you know, it worked out, man. God was going to make it work out. And I knew it. I wasn't worried yeah. at all.
0: Well, I absolutely loved this trilogy of films. I can't stop thinking about them. I can't stop talking about them. Kudi and Chike, of course, the trilogy is called Genius. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to talk to me about it. Oh, I
2: appreciate man, thank you. You, thank you. Thank you for giving us a platform. Sure. For sure.
0: That's it for this week's episode. Thanks again to Kudi and Chike. Do you agree with me that Genius is one of the greatest music documentaries of all time? What part stood out to you? Let me know in a tweet. You can reach me on Twitter at RebLavoy. For more of my takes, check out my other podcast, Crime Writers On. Each week on that show, we break down the latest in true crime documentaries, films, podcasts, and pop culture. If you like You Can't Make This Up, please rate and review this show. We'll share it with friends. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And make sure to subscribe to the show to stay tuned for all new episodes. Our music is by Kelly Mack at Netflix Music Lab. You Can't Make This Up is a production of Netflix. I'm Rebecca Lavoie. Thanks so much for listening.